This is the Capricorn FM podcast. So let's talk about that issue. The Reserve Bank having cleared the president of any wrongdoing on the investigation on the Palapala farm in terms of whether there were contraventions relating to exchange there. But of course, it clears him on what grounds, what does it say with its conclusion? Let me bring in Mr. Kaya Stolo, who is an accountant and does vast political and economic commentary. Mr. Stolo, good evening and welcome. Good evening, good evening, evening. thank you very much for joining us. So here's another investigation on the Palapala saga. The South African Reserve Bank is unable to come to a conclusion of wrongdoing on the part of the of the president. What is your take even on how they summarize their conclusion? I think there are unfortunately far too many questions that remain unanswered and maybe even new questions that emerge from the approach that they've taken. So the approach that they've taken is not only that they are going to look at a specific area of the investigation, but also then deny the public the ability to understand the process that went behind the investigation by refusing to release the report. Mm. So already on the information flow and the public interest dimension, We've got particular problems there. And then, of course, there's a secondary question of what they then decided to focus on. Because as we now understand it, they have simply said, look, the one regulation which could have been violated is the regulation around the disclosure of foreign currency, which is triggered as soon as one is obviously either in possession of it or entitled to it. Mm. So the argument that they seem to have uh, followed is one that says because the transaction itself was not finalized, the money or the dollar were not essentially the property of the president or of the farm at any point in time. So until it becomes their property, that 30-day window, that countdown clock, actually has never been triggered at all. And you can already see the problems that emerge from that type of reasoning. Because remember, this is an investigation that started many years Mm. after the money was actually left in the farm. The money was delivered on Christmas Day in 2019. This is an investigation that started almost three years later in 2022. So the natural question to ask from the Reserve Bank is to say, wait, hold on. If this transaction has not been finalized over over a three-year period, will it ever be finalized? And if it Mm. isn't going to be finalized, well, what should happen to the currency that we now know is within the country's borders and that arrived at the farm? So because they are not giving us access into those insights, we have absolutely no idea how they apply themselves to that quite clearly and obvious question that emerges from the developments that have heard. So as, as you say, it's not finalized. They use the word perfected. And just had a thought when I was speaking to one of our listeners, another very overly simplistic way, of course, to perhaps apply. And I'm asking if this is their rationale. You know, they say there's a corruptor and a corruptee. Is that what they're saying? No, no, no. So I think in this one, they have found what is probably the most arcane or the most opaque legal loophole that you could find. And that legal loophole says that, well, the features, the essential features of a transaction is that a seller has got goods or services to provide, a buyer has a desire to acquire those goods or services. And given the fact that the buyer is a foreigner and these are tangible goods, there's clearly going to be issues around the process of moving these goods from the seller to the, to the buyer. And because those processes themselves have not been concluded, one could legitimately argue that this transaction is still hanging out there in the air. It is hanging in the sense that it may well turn out that the seller is no longer in a position to deliver the goods and the money becomes refundable. So all of that then is really in the realm of speculation and the Reserve Bank has taken the view that because 
uh, in that particular realm, they are happy to conclude that actually it's a pending transaction. And pending tran- transactions, in their view, do not trigger the same uh, uh, reporting obligations as completed transactions. Suppose someone will ask sooner or later, how long is a transaction allowed to be pending? Well, that's the point, and I'd, I'd be scared if the answer is uh, three years or more, because now we are indeed approaching the end of the fourth year of this transaction. Now, a lot of people are also getting confused about the question of, well, the money has been stolen, so is there still a transaction? Well, actually, the question of the theft of the money is a secondary one. The Reserve Bank's focus area was supposed to be on the question of how the money arrived and how the money was disclosed or not disclosed. What subsequently happens to the money, whether it gets stolen or whether it remains in that legitimate uh, owner's bank account, that's a secondary matter. That was clearly not the issue here. So we're not asking them to check how the money was stolen. That was the purview of the police, for example. Their responsibility was to focus on how it ended up here and whether the reporting uh, requirements relating to the money, when it was still there, were indeed complied with. And even if one wants to put forward the proposition that it's already been stolen, it was only stolen many, many weeks after the 30-day reporting deadline would have lapsed anyway. So within the 30-day reporting uh, uh, window, the money was not reported, and that's the violation of the rules as we knew it, but the Reserve Bank tells us that that clock never started to begin with. Yeah, well, so so there's obviously going to be a bit of a scramble to check what what actually their rules are in terms of uh, complete transactions, pending transactions, because that, as you say, would would, would open uh, quite some loopholes. Of course, they limit themselves on what is uh, outside their purview. But in terms of what is within their purview, do you find they cover all aspects, even if they do so technically? No, they do not, because the key issue here is to firstly then say, if your technical argument is to say that this is a pending transaction, well, in your view, as the Reserve Bank, that is responsible for the overall, you know, uh, uh, health of the country's financial economic system. How are you comfortable with the fact that there exists even a legitimate legal loophole that says, well, actually, even though the law says that individuals like you and I should not possess foreign currency, it then turns out that if you and I can enter into an arrangement, and it is in this case a sham arrangement, because remember, we have seen the invoice and we've listened to the utterances of the buyer themselves. So if you and I can enter into a sham arrangement that says, look, actually, this transaction is subject to me still liking you in six months' time, or it's subject to some other random condition, it then simply means that the Reserve Bank itself, its instruments of oversight, which is to say this is what must happen to foreign currency transactions, all those instruments are meaningless when people can be allowed to come up with some very random and arbitrary um, explanations for why the clock has not started running. So it's surprising that the Reserve Bank is essentially telling all the potential um, you know, uh, uh, money launderers out there that, well, actually there is a loophole that allows you to legitimately argue that the clock has not started to run so that we can hold on to that amount of money for as long as that condition exists. But suppose on its end, it's an argument to be made that if there's a loophole, it is not us as the Reserve Bank who are supposed to close it, it's the legislators. As the organization that oversees the country's financial ecosystem, mm-hmm. if you discover a loophole of such magnitude, the first thing you do is to then alert the lawmakers. So it is the same Reserve Bank and National Treasury that have gone to lawmakers in over the past 18 months and said, look, according to the FATF report, these are the uh, gaps that exist in our, our financial system oversight. So please pass new laws in order to help us address those gaps. So the Reserve Bank as well within its rights to alert the legislators that there is indeed a gap. 
but it's not open to them to say, well, actually, there's a loophole, but we do not make the law. We simply interpret them. That is quite simply a nonsensical proposition that they shouldn't be allowed to put forward. But as things stand, do you, do you suppose, whether nonsensical or otherwise, that that uh, they would say, wait for the report, we, we deliver the report, and I wonder if they make recommendations in as far as that report is concerned. And then well, the recommendation, yeah. Well, they've said that the report will not be made public to anyone. So I think there was a report from the SABC, which I haven't verified yet, so please treat it with caution, that says that even when they go to Parliament, they will not make the report available to members of Parliament because it is uh, subject to some legal hurdles. So if they're not going to make it available to Parliament itself, well, we'll never see the report now, will we? So, so it, it would appear, again, the president um, gets passes this hurdle over another legal technicality legal interpretation because it was the same with the with the public protector and and obviously political parties will do something about about this but in terms of in the immediate what do you think of of the report does it do the president and the and his party the world of good or it remains an integrity uh, issue for him well i think we've all made peace with the fact that the president's integrity was compromised by the fact that the transaction happened how the legal enforcement authorities then found justifications for it was never going to remove the stench of how on earth did you allow it to get it so far in the first place mm. because clearly there are things that should have been done better there are things that should have been managed better and they were not managed better so there's always been a significant question being asked about the president's custody of his own private enterprise in relation to the fund and also clearly the quality of the people that he surrounds himself with. So that will remain where the, the public protector, uh, the Reserve Bank or even the South African Revenue Service to say, well, actually nothing was illegal. A lot of it was still just concerning about the conduct of the president and those he surrounds himself with. Obviously, the president's people, the president's men, uh, would 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 still treat with um, with 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 caution. But the sense is, uh, he has passed through some of the legal hurdles that are there. the remaining one around the matter is the is the Hawks matter. Any speculation around that? No, no. I think it would be foolhardy to speculate because it does look, unfortunately, that everyone is trying to find uh, a, 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 a way to say it until there's a very clear violation of the law that the president did. We are going to find machinations and, you know, uh, maneuvers around the question of accountability and complicity. So whether the hawks are in a position of much stronger instruments of enforcement is a matter that we're going to have to wait and see. But speculation would indeed be dangerous. You know, when you say that, one one commentator once said that the previous public protector, advocate Madonsela, uh, when was thrown with a with a curve ball, found a way to shield herself and give a shred of accountability by saying, "You can pay some," and didn't say how much. But I find you, it's not your fault, but you are liable. Uh, he says further that the suspended public protector was not able to navigate protecting herself before making a decision against a political office bearer. You say now that it seems everyone is trying to say, unless it's very, very obvious, I'm not making a decision. Yeah, and I think it's irresistible to look at that as the way in which this has unfolded, because even if you listen to the acting public protector's interpretation of this, it did leave a lot of gray areas unresolved about how some of her reasoning or some of her conclusions were indeed formulated. 
I think the Reserve Bank is probably the worst of them all because clearly not only have they gone for an information blackout, but they seem to have said we'll go for the narrowest possible dimension that we can test and hopefully that we do not find anything and they haven't found anything according to their own interpretation. But concerning that institutions that should be looking at the greater public interest have then said, look, actually we are going to have to nitpick our way through this without actually even saying that even if the president or his associates are innocent, these are the types of issues that concern us about how the entire ecosystem operates. And surely the development cannot be comfortable with the very idea that not only was the amount of money uh, brought into the country, it stayed there in the president's farm until somebody stole it. And even beyond that, it was only when Arthur Fraser decided that the rest of us needed to know about it, that it actually came into the public domain surely as the institution responsible for oversight of the yeah. financial ecosystem at large, this should leave you remarkably troubled. Right. Well, and, and I'm just wondering, uh, now that we're talking about it, since we haven't seen the affidavits, they're saying they got a lot of documents. I wonder who introduced this concept of not perfected con- uh, 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 con- uh, what, what transaction, where they say, no, we're still waiting for, 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 for them to complete, we're going to do it. After. I wonder, since we don't have information around it, it would be helpful to know what was the president's explanation in some of this. Yeah, and I think obviously it was probably the question of, well, now that the amount of money is indeed within the farm who is now the unconditional owner of it, on whom the obligation to report lies. Of course, for the president, the answer is that it's not me because I do not actually conduct the affairs of the farm. It is a separate juristic entity. And then the question will then move on to the farm itself to say, well, were you unconditionally entitled to this amount? And if so, why did you or why did you not report it? So I think it's easy to understand how the president can get away regardless of how one interprets this because he still will simply say a juristic entity was responsible for the transaction the invoices in the name of the juristic entity and not me as a person. So it's easy to understand how he gets away with it. It's a bit more difficult to understand how the farm as an entity explained its way through this. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Stoll. I appreciate your time. Thank you. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.